0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the B2B Marketing Podcast. My name is David Rowlands. I'm the head of content at B2B Marketing and Propolis, which is the global community for B2B marketers. And I'm joined today by one Mr. Doug Boucher. So, Doug, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank
1: you very much for David. Uh, great to jump on this call with you.
0: Absolutely. And uh, s- signing in from a uh, foggy San Fran um over into muggy london so no one's having a great time right now by the sounds of it yeah you know i
1: have been in san francisco for the last 25 years which is great despite my british accent i grew up in the uk so sometimes especially i guess around this time i'm really happy to be out here in the sunshine
0: yeah absolutely well on that note um you know of course i i know you but for those of you uh for for the people listening who aren't aware of you can you tell us a bit about yourself and your career in the world of b2b marketing to date? Sure, absolutely. Um, You know, I have been in this strange world, as we call it, of B2B
1: marketing for I guess, 25 years now. Um, You know, I I guess most of my time has been in San Francisco, and I've been a CMO. Um, I've worked for a number of B2B companies, which many people will know, Salesforce, uh, Skype, where we actually launched a business-to-business piece. I was the uh, general manager of Digitas here in uh, San Francisco. And more recently, I've been uh, actually a CEO selling tools to marketeers as well as investing um, as part of a growth equity firm. But it, you know, my background goes all the way back in the UK to actually being a B to C marketeer. Uh, my first job actually was with uh, Unilever. And that was back in the day when uh, you know I was looking at roles and CMOs or heads of marketing were the number one. Uh, people who turned into CEOs later so I've always seen this as you know how do marketeers really grow into CEOs and I think that's exciting part of the whole marketing landscape
0: yeah absolutely and as you say you know you were a CMO for Salesforce in quite a sort of exciting time for the business sort of early 2010s or so what was your kind of approach to marketing back then and and how did that differ um, to what the kind of approach you might take today (laughs) Well, Salesforce,
1: you know, is a very different company today from how it was then. Um, I often describe my time at Salesforce as when we were going from being a big, small company to a small, big company. Um, And I think, you know, there's a few things in that. Uh, One of the things, I mean, I was the CMO, but in some ways, when you're in a smaller company, you know, CMOs come along too early and really what we were, what I was doing was more of an svp of marketing um so what that means is running what was then sales cloud and really sort of driving that through i think everyone knows about dreamforce but you know campaigns and digital marketing and so forth i think if you look at where a company like salesforce has got to and you know this is the natural evolution for successful companies is now it's you know multi-platform uh, multi-products and really, you have the need for a CMO. And so the CMO's job very much evolves in that kind of situation from being somebody who's all about driving marketing towards somebody who's much more about you know resource allocation and deciding where we should invest our dollars and how do we align organizations and create a consistent brand. So you know, back in the day it was very much pedal to the metal. How do we drive, you know, high growth pipeline, all that kind of stuff? And I think the CMO's job now is, is is much more evolved and much more about an organizational and strategic role, which is kind of an exciting change. Obviously, the other thing that's changed in the last few years is the technology, clearly what we see going on in the market now around AI. And whilst, you know, Salesforce is part of that, I think it's a, a journey that still everyone in the B2B marketing landscape is, is going through right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And AI is obviously the sort of number one hot topic right now. Um, And I've already been speaking to a number of AI specialists on what this means for, um, you know, the, the practice or the discipline of marketing itself, if you like. But what do you think it means specifically for the MarTech landscape? Do you expect that it will impact the sort of high growth it's seen or I don't know, do you see something else entirely? Yeah, well that's a that's a
1: pretty big question. So let me let, let me you know chat about a few things. Um when I left Salesforce and went to be CEO of Leadspace which we actually pioneered the B2B customer data platform category. What I kind of saw at that time was this need to figure out how do you bring data together? This was as you said some time ago and just when uh, Einstein was coming out of the gate and I think Many people would remember Einstein. Many people remember that Einstein really didn't do anything and it needed the data access to kind of do all of that. So thus came the need for customer data platforms, the ability to create that data, right? Now, I think what we're starting to see is as that data has come available, the real question is how do I use it? How do I do something with that, right? And that is clearly what a lot of MarTech tools have been advertising and posting and and trying to support, whether it's from how do I create ABM strategies? How do I use intent data? How do I do better analytics and so forth? And I think that journey is only going to get faster and it's going to get more complicated. And, you know, MarTech is not an easy, you know, stack right now. And I think a lot of people come in and they just think that, you know, they buy the hype that everyone's selling, that there's going to be this this magical thing that comes along and solves all the problems that they know that they, they need. And I think we're going to see even more of that. We are seeing even more of that as AI comes along. But I think the real question, and maybe we can dive this a little bit more, is not actually what's going on with MarTech, but how is AI going to change marketing? Because I think if you start talking about MarTech before you start talking about marketing, you're putting the cart before the horse in terms of how you should think about these, these
0: changes. Yeah. So with that in mind, then, how do you think it will change marketing? It sounds like you're coming at it from more of a sort of making sense of the data point of view, as opposed to a content generation point of view, which is often, um, at least this year, where um, a lot of the excitement around generative AI kind of lies.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's right. So AI is much broader than just the LLMs and what we see with ChatGPT and so forth, and obviously other tools like that. I think AI has been around for a while and I think most people are deploying it at at some way or another. But, you know, I often talk to, you know, I talk to people about let's just take an RFP process and people say, well, this is great. Now, what used to take me a long time and obviously marketers, product marketers often involved in writing RFPs. Now I can bring that all together with these LLM tools. And if you're not already using, you know, ChatGPT or BARD or something like that to drive that, you're missing a trick. But then you think, well, on the other side of this, people are going to be using you know, these kinds of tools to read the RFP. And then they're going to be taking a step back and saying, well, I don't need to go through that RFP, which was anyway written by another AI tool. And you start to ask the question about what are the salespeople, what are the marketing people doing in this whole process, right? Now, you don't have to go very far to say what's going to happen with SEO in the same way, right? You know, at the moment, we spend a lot of time often, you know, trying to figure out keyword strategies and how to create content associated with it. But I think that space is going to change very much as well uh, in the not too distant future. So, I, you know, behind all of this is if you're just focused on which of my tools is going to be able to generate me better content so I can rank better on SEO today, I think that's really important. But it's a short-term strategy, and I think you're not going to keep your head about what is the world going to look like, and then how are we going to evolve towards that work. And I, I find that super exciting, but it's also a big unknown, unknown world. And, um, you know, I, I, I think you've got to make sure you take some views, you do some testing, all the usual things we've seen as we went through the cloud transition, as we move towards this new world.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound too negative on it, um, but I think sometimes new technologies come along and everyone gets really excited about it because of the possibilities, but what tends to happen or, you know, can happen at the very least is marketers and, and anyone really start to pick up sort of bad habits. So if you think back to the kind of dawn of email automation, we thought, wow, this is incredible. You know, you can reach millions of people at the click of a button, but then sure enough, that develops very quickly into the world of spam. My question for you then is AI obviously has a lot of um, great potential and there's a lot of things that it can help marketers do um, or salespeople do or HR people do. But do you think that there are going to be any kind of negative sort of side effects of AI, anything that might kind of fundamentally change B2B marketing perhaps for the worse?
1: Uh, For sure. And I don't think it's limited to B2B. And as you say, you know, back in the day when we had, email for the first time you had to ask the question well now if the cost of delivering an email has gone from uh, a piece of direct mail effectively has gone from you know a dollar to a cent which is going to kind of explode yes and that happened right mm. And it took a long time for the whole both regulation plus also the tools out there to change and evolve so that we just didn't get inundated by spam or we started to get something that probably most people would say yeah it's much more useful than getting nothing okay and i think we're going to see that same kind of change because now if the thing that has prevented marketeers from generating even more content on you know the right message to the right person at the right time through the right channel is just the capability to do that organizationally right to generate the content and to figure it all out and to put it all together, AI is going to change that really rapidly. And so I think we will go through that kind of evolution. As I say, you know, how many of the emails you get today, how many of the people reaching out to you on LinkedIn to, you know, have a conversation are not really people, they're just AI agents that, you know, if you look at Salesforce and what they're talking about, a dream force with agents, that is the, journey that we are on and it's going to be the journey for the next year or two and I think that as marketeers we've got to balance that that goal which is to drive results and by the way if I can send out a thousand emails not one even if all of them are 10% less effective I'm still going to drive better results and building a brand and building also a community and an industry that is is better for people and actually can deliver what we want, you know, our customers to get hold of it. So I th- I think that will be, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets a lot better. Mm. And I think it's going to mean that, you know, things like brand become more important than ever.
0: I can see why, you know, brand would become more important. Is it in the short term though, do you think there's a very real danger that brand suffers because effectively you're putting out messages, which are generated by, let's say, chat GPT um, that perhaps basically just aren't, quite off the high standards people expect is is that a fair thing to say uh i i I think you've got two different questions in that
1: right i mean will there be stuff that comes out from all of these tools that is not of the standard that one might expect absolutely do i also get a lot of emails written by people right that are not of the standard that one expects absolutely too so i and i think that bar will change quite quickly. And I think it is changing very quickly um, in terms of the quality of what we get at. But I think your broader question, which is, you know, how do we as marketeers make sure that we are not just getting into a world of optimizing for value in the short term so that we can drive business results? Because that's what everyone is asking us you know, historically has been asking us. And how do we also think about the long term, which is, you know, maybe what we're talking about in this in part in this concept of brand, so that we kind of find that right balance. I think I think that's going to be a really interesting question. It's going to be very, very hard to juggle, especially as we all know that right now, you know, we're this in this environment where there's a lot of pressure on budgets, there's a lot of, you know, slowdown in, you know, many of the industries that we work in. And so that pressure for results combined with this new technology is, I think going to lead to some quite bad behavior.
0: Mm, I can imagine. Um, Let's, let's explore that a bit further Then in that case. So you mentioned that, you know, marketers are under a lot of pressure to hit short-term targets. And, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of them have had cut budgets and increasing pressure from sales for for more leads and and all the kind of things marketers tend to hate. Um, But how do you think AI perhaps empowers people to actually think a bit more long-term or or does it at all, really?
1: Uh, I think AI is a capability that can help us do things. And I think there's a few areas that it can help us achieve the goal that we're trying to do in terms of balancing that long and short term. So, I mean, I, you know, we talked about data, okay. And customer Mm -hmm. data platforms and so forth, um, And, you know, that's a part, a necessary part, right, of all of the things that we're talking about. Everything, right, in terms of, you know, how do I understand my customers? How do I drive the right communications, the right marketing strategies and so forth, right? To date, data access has been really hard. I think that will be one of the first things that breaks down in terms of making things a lot easier to be able to do the things that we spend a lot of time doing right now you know, whether that's field mapping between different fields or being able to figure out how to access unstructured data and turn it into structured data, how to, you know, drive intelligence out of all of that. I think AI will fundamentally change that kind of stuff, right? I think then our ability to interpret that, like to be able to do things that we do today in terms of both, you know, what does this mean and what should I do, right? Where we, we, you know, a lot of marketing teams, a lot of technology vendors will spend a lot of time trying to solve that problem for people but that will again become something and you know I know I sound like a San Francisco fanboy at this time to your earlier comment but you know what you see going on is those kinds of things will evolve very quickly and then even the recommendation and so I think all of that is going to change very quickly and be able to help us understand what's going on but the problem that we've had in terms of driving brand is okay, so that's great, especially if I have a objective output criteria, right? Mm -hmm. How much pipeline am I generating? What's my response rate to this campaign? I think the thing that we also need to think about is, you know, what are we, what's the strategy for the brand? Well, how do we measure that? And these are things that in the B2C organizations have done, you know, some work on, but I think where we need to spend time in B2B and, you know, it's been incredibly hard and you know, to think through what are those metrics. And I'm really hoping that we can use AI to start getting some more views of that kind of stuff. So even if you take things that we on the brand side have typically done through research studies, you know, whether it's, you know, consideration or brand affinity or even MPS kind of scoring, maybe, and I hope that AI will start to automate some of those processes so that we can have a much more holistic view than just measuring the performance of what campaign
0: yeah because it does feel to me that marketers are often kind of forced into measuring things that perhaps aren't that sophisticated you know just the sheer volume of mqls that come in regardless if those mqls are really likely to lead to anything because they're fairly easy to measure and it's quite an easy way of saying look we've got this number in and, and everything's performing well whereas the brand side of stuff in particular is particularly powerful and yet it's really as to your point, it's a really hard thing to measure and it's quite a hard thing to demonstrate. So you is your thinking there that AI might help marketers prove the value of some of those more complicated marketing strategies?
1: Yeah, for sure, right? If you think about what happened with ABM, I think you know, there was the technology vendors, the marketing automation platforms that sold the whole story of manage your leads, what you were talking about gave you the data to manage your leads. And so we had this kind of lead waterfall funnel thing that Sirius created. Okay. And I think a lot of people in the early days of ABM were sitting there going, well, we know that we need to think about how we run marketing differently from that, but we don't have the capability until some of these tools came along to be able to measure that. Right. Mm-hmm. So we can, you know, what I did in Salesforce, you'd sit down with a sales organization and try and manually map who were the people you wanted to talk to and put them in as individuals to deal with that. Well, hey, presto, now we can think about it a different way. Sometimes the capability is lagging the thought. I think that's what's going on with brand too. I think most marketers that I talk to, at least at a certain scale, I think when you're early stage or high growth, you're trying to get your brand out there, then, you know, not your brand, your product out there, trying to drive initial revenue, there may be you're less worried about it. And, you know, there's a lot of research on this kind of stuff, but as you get to being a certain scale, then I think you do want to do this. And I think, you know, some of the tools, whether it's, um, you know, the share of voice calculations or the ESOV stuff, or some of the other tools that are out there to be able to measure ways that you can think about brand building and get the data. I think that I hope that will start to evolve, but it, you know, it's not easy. I think some of the stuff that Peter Weinberg and the B2B Institute are doing on this is quite thoughtful and evolved. But we've also, as marketeers, got to be able to sell the why mm-hmm. to the organization, right? And, you know, B2, B2C organizations, I don't think most people go and say, I don't understand what the value of the Coca Cola brand is. They may find it hard to measure, but they've spent whatever it is, a hundred years trying to figure that out. I still think you get a lot of people going out and saying that about B2B. Why do I really care what the brand is and how would I measure it anyway?
0: Yeah, no, I can completely see that. And it makes total sense. Um, On the sort of AI market side of things, I think, it. you know, I'm certainly not an expert in this field, but I think it's fair to say that we are definitely in a period of hype around AI. Um, And whilst there's obviously there is genuine value and genuine, um, some incredible things that it can do, it does feel like we are at the sort of crest of a wave of kind of fanaticism around it. Um, and in fact, just earlier this year, we saw um, one company, Mistral AI, reportedly raise 105 million euros um, just a month into the company's entire existence. Um, and if anyone saw it, it was effectively a, a blank website, which just had the name on it. Um, but I believe it was uh, co-founded by a couple of um ex-Google individual, so I guess they were kind of banking on their expertise I, again not an expert in that area just my kind of my thoughts on it but tying it back to what I was originally getting at do you expect the kind of hype around AI to die down and for us to become a little bit more realistic around what it can and can't do over the next sort of 12-24 months?
1: So, so yes and no right I mean so first of all we've got to be careful with valuations, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, valuations can be super misleading in terms of, you know, what it really means. But there's no doubt that if you look at the investment community, of which I'm also part, you know, all the dollars are really going towards some of these AI platforms today, right? If you think, you know, a stat I saw that, you know, it took 42 years For Apple to become a billion dollar company, uh, sorry, a trillion dollar company. Uh, Google, it took 22 years. Tesla, it took 12 years. I think many people might say, you know, the next AI thing is going to be there in five years, right? And if you just look at OpenAI today, they're trying to raise money, I think, at close to 100 million, 3X their valuation, 100 billion, 3X their valuation just earlier this year, right? So that trajectory, if you're looking at this from a purely financial perspective is it's a bit like gambling i want to place my bets Mm -hmm. right but there's so many of these businesses so so i think that's the financial end i think back to the question though of you know the level of hype i do believe that all this stuff is not going to come out tomorrow right you look at the retention metrics for a lot of the llms and they're not particularly good right so they they come people try them out and then they fall off That is common for new technology, right? So, you know, that means that it's going to take longer for these tools and so forth to get adopted. But I'm a big believer in that that statement that says nothing changes as much in a year as we think it will, but in 10 years, it changes a lot more. And so, you know, I think if you've got a one-year time horizon, are we going to really see that it's that different? Probably not. We're going to be doing a lot of things more simply, but we're going to have many of the same people doing many of the same things, just much more efficiently. And we'll see a lot of benefits on the cost side and some on the performance. Maybe I think if we go forward five years, the world is going to look very, very different and you know, we got to be able to keep both of those in our two minds. So yeah, that puts me back in the, you know, I am more of a fan of this than a skeptic. I mean, I don't think this is the next AI winter. I think there really is stuff that's going on. And I, the final Comment i make on this is we often think about the llms as core to i you know chat gpt and those language models as core to ai ai is much more expansive than that in terms of all the various things that are going on and um you know i think it's i think it's the excitement for us to figure out how we can use this and actually make this a tool for us not to be responding to it in the wrong way like maybe the writers in
0: hollywood are trying to figure out yeah, fair point. Um, you mentioned there that, you know, the world's going to look very different in five years, um, because of, you know, the the impact of AI. We can't stop that. No one can stop the the unending march of time, not to sound too dramatic about it. Um, but what do you think that marketers listening can do today to actually kind of prepare for that world? Is there anything they can they can really do about it? Or have they just got to kind of go with the flow, so to speak?
1: Yeah, I guess. so I think there are elements to this which has been the case when social came out and everyone was like, oh my God, now there's all of this stuff on social media. What's the value of a Facebook like? Which we discovered, <laughs> Not really anything. I get it. But everyone was asking those questions. How do I take bunch? And I think the story then was very much 80% keep doing what you're doing and 20%, you have to invest in new things, and you cannot put metrics around that 20%. You just have to go and test and figure out what's working and so forth. So what does that mean? I think people have to, A, try to understand all of the different things that are going on. Every single technology platform today is baking AI into what they're doing, whether it's Notion or Salesforce or Marketo or anyone else, right? And so I think understanding that landscape and figuring out how AI gets baked into everything that you're doing is a good place to start, not let's go and find the latest whizzy tool that is going to sort of, you know, the new shiny object that somehow is going to transform everything. I don't think that's going to how it's going to be, but I do think you need to look at what is coming out of the tools you already have, make some bets about three or four of those that you think are most relevant to your business and then just test them out without clear metrics the second thing that i think is really really important is to make sure that you start to think organizationally about how does this allow you to free up resources to work on different things right Mm -hmm. and i think that's going to be really really hard and it's going to take time so for example if we can now create the same amount of content from i don't know half the number of people who are working on content what do i do about that right do i free up half those resources to put them into some other area that i want to be spending time or do i just produce twice as much content and i think there's a risk and as the sort of leader in this space you have to take a step back and really drive that strategic discussion versus just generating more of the same stuff that you've always been doing because now you can do a lot more and i i actually see the latter happening more than i would kind of want us to see it spend and then finally you know you have to make sure you have access to and i'm just going to set again the right data i'm not a big believer and from all of the people i talked to out here and so forth that many companies will really be able to generally have access to data that will allow them to have a competitive advantage from a data perspective that's really going to be hard to do right But at least to make sure that you are finding the ways to be able to get access to that data, to be able to collate it, bring it together. I think that's critical so that then you can take the right actions and so forth. So, you know, those would be three things that I'd really focus on doing.
0: Fantastic. Well, Doug, I think we'll leave it there today. So thank you very much for your your time. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll see you again soon.
1: Great. Thanks. Really enjoyed the discussion.
0: Likewise. Bye-bye.